Hello everybody and welcome back. My name is Sam. And I'm Melissa. I grew up in the FLDS community. It is a polygamous group run by Warren Jeffs, which I moved out of when I was 18 years old. And today we're going to mix it up just a little bit. <laughs> yes, we are. We're going to have some fun. We're going to answer a lot of questions that you all had about Melissa and her life. Yeah, I sent out there and asked Instagram and our community with YouTube because I always feel like whenever anybody asks questions about how I was raised LDS, um, compared to Sam, I feel like my story is super boring. And so <laughs> it's very sweet of so many of you to ask and we thought, okay, let's finally, let's get into it. But I have no idea where to start. So we're super grateful for everyone that yeah. asked questions. We, we got a ton of questions. Yeah. So. Thank you all so much. We're not going to be able to get to all of the questions in the in this one video, but we will work on getting more videos and, and answering all of the questions you had. Yeah, and there were some questions that were like so good. I was like, that deserves its own video. That deserves its own video. That deserves yes. its own video. So we'll try to go through, like Sam said, we'll go through a lot of the questions um, on this video, but there are some, if you did not see it, there's some that we kind of picked out and we're like, okay, we maybe need to branch out a little bit and answer some of these questions about the LDS. LDS faith as well and right. uh, make their own videos so yes yeah so we're without further ado we're going to jump <laughs> into this and answer some of your questions but we're going to start off with asking Melissa mm -hmm. kind of give us a little bit of your backstory kind of where you're from uh, how you were raised originally yeah. and all that yeah okay so I was born in the covenant and so for those of you who are not familiar with that term um, my parents both were married and sealed in a temple um, when they got married, they actually met at BYU. And so being sealed um, as a child, if you're born to parents who were, were sealed, then like you don't have to go into the temple later to be sealed to them. You're automatically sealed to them in the eternities. And so that's considered being born in the covenant. So I was raised LDS from the moment I was born. Um, and then when we were three, we moved to St. George, Utah. And that is where I was raised. And it is just a small town in Southern Utah. And it's super beautiful predominantly LDS so I did grow up around a lot of LDS members and even the wards or congregations that would be made up of like a couple hundred people was like a couple streets in my neighborhood because most people were LDS. Yeah. There's <laughs> so. a lot of church buildings, uh, LDS church buildings in St. George. Yeah like you don't ever have to drive more than two minutes honestly to get to your church yeah. building so um, yeah predominantly LDS. I'm the oldest of four siblings so it goes me and then I have two younger brothers and then a baby sister and yeah I had a great childhood so I'm yeah. excited to answer some more of these yeah. questions that are like more specific I guess <laughs> well great well we'll get into it a little bit and uh, answer some of your questions and I guess uh, that way you can talk a little bit more about details of where you were from and all that as well yeah. based on these questions <clears throat> so starting off with let's get into it here were you baptized at eight did you do emission? Yeah. So that's kind of two questions. But. Two questions. And there's some other questions I saw as well that had to do with being baptized at eight. So yes, I was baptized at eight years old. And that's common in the LDS church. It's um, what they consider the age of accountability. Yeah. Um, when they think that you are accountable for right and wrong choices and being mm -hmm. able to make, make decisions. Yeah, mm -hmm. make decisions. And so that's the age. Um, I think someone else had asked a question. <laughs> having to do with whether or not I felt like I made that decision myself mm -hmm. or if that was something that I was pressured into. And I'd say that it's one of those things that like, I think just as much as like a family is super into sports 
and their eight year old is encouraged to go play basketball, they're gonna be like excited to play basketball because dad played basketball with them since they're three. Like like anything else, um, I feel like it's no more pressure than anything else that you're consistently surrounded by that's an exciting thing, right? That's when you become an official member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so I had a great experience being baptized. My dad baptized me, you know, and then you go to church and everybody is like, all the adults are like, welcome as a member. And it's like this big deal and a big celebration. And at the time too, you are like, at least for me, if you're born into it. So a nursery at church, you're starting at like 18 months old. Yeah. And then from there, you're going into um, sunbeams at three, you're in primary and you're learning things. So by eight years old, I felt like, and I had a really good basic understanding and knowledge of the LDS faith and what that entailed. So at eight years old, I'd still say that I felt pretty prepared for that. You know, now having kids of my own, I'm like, I don't know if eight years old is really the <laughs> age of where you'd want to make that kind of like big commitment of becoming a member to right. a religion. Um, that's more of how I feel now, mm-hmm. but I don't think that it was like harmful in any way. Right. I think that it was, for me, it was a good experience. And like I said, I don't, from outsiders, I can see where they would think it yeah. was like this pressure, but there wasn't really like any negative side well, to and it. Like you, and like you said, you know, it's something that you were raised with and, and you saw your family and friends around you getting baptized. So I yeah. assume you were probably really excited for it and super to, to make excited. that step. Yeah. Yeah. Super excited. Cause your entire time in primary, you know, they're building it up too. is like this exciting decision that you get to make. And yeah. so, um, yeah, it was like super good experience. Super exciting. Yes. I was baptized. Um, at eight years old, right? At eight years old. Okay, oh, the second part was a mission. Yeah. Did you serve a mission? Yeah. <laughs> I did not serve a mission. So at the time that I could have gone, girls left at age 21. Um, the rules have changed since then, and now they leave at 19. Mm-hmm. I honestly think that if the rules had been 19 when I was 19, I probably would have. Um, at 21, I was already into my career, and I actually bought my first house when I was 21. Yeah. And so I remember actually praying about it um, at 21 and being like, oh my gosh, is this something that I should do? that I should like sell my house and get rid of my career all to go on and serve the Lord. And I just received a strong impression that that's not what I was supposed to do. And so I didn't. Um, but it's definitely something that I would have been willing to do. Yeah. At maybe at 19. Yeah. Maybe I think if it had been 19, yeah. if I wasn't already, you know, three years into my career and having a house and being like, well established <clears throat> that way. Um, but like I said, I did pray about it okay. to see if I was supposed to give all of that up. And the answer was no. The answer was no. <laughs> I remember thinking that that was actually like my first, this may sound funny, but I felt like that was my first fight with God. Oh, interesting. And I remember being like, why would you say no to this thing? Like, it's me preaching your gospel. It would be me teaching people about you. Like, how could you tell me no to something mm-hmm. like that? And my answer was more like in my heart of, you need to continue doing the things that you're doing in your life and these things are important as well and this is what you should be doing and yeah. I remember being super confused and praying about it a lot and like going in front of the temple because at that point I hadn't been able to go yeah. like yeah, I hadn't had my endowments out or anything but I remember sitting outside the temple praying about it and still just feeling strongly that I wasn't supposed to go. Interesting. Well, and back in those, not 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 saying you're old, but back in those days, <laughs> yeah, like ten years ago, though. Yeah, exactly. It yeah. seems like uh, the church wasn't really 
encouraging women to serve missions as much as they are today. And that's one of the no. reasons that they, that they changed the age. Since they changed the age, uh, a lot more, a lot more common. sister missionaries are going out on missions. And and so in, when, when you were at that 21 age, that was something that, um, you know, you probably didn't feel like you were necessarily obligated. Like as a man, serving a mission is almost a duty. It's something that you should plan on doing. Yeah. If you're worthy, you're supposed to do it. Right. Yeah. But for the women, it wasn't quite as much. No, definitely okay. not. There was no, there was no pressure of me having to serve a mission at all. Mm -hmm. And, um, I never felt like if I didn't serve a mission, anyone would be disappointed in me or right. look at me differently, um, which is some of the pressures that the guys feel a lot more. But I definitely didn't feel any yeah. of that. Depending on the family. I know there are families out there that if the if the boys do not serve missions, they're definitely frowned upon. You know, that decision is not <laughs> is not welcome, <laughs> you know, but uh, some families aren't so strict about it. Just yeah. And, and like I said, regardless of family, I'd say at that time, yeah. 10 years ago, Right. A girl was never really ever looked down upon for yes. not serving a mission. So Agreed. Well, great. Okay. <laughs> On to the next question then. Does it feel weird you. being the interviewer? It, it does, yes. I'm like, uh, it, I'm trying not to butt in too much because I'm, I'm so used to answering questions. But um, <laughs> So what are the rules about modesty? Oh, that's a good question. Okay, so um, modesty... I guess I'll start with the basics, but um, I was taught that you needed to cover your shoulders and that like no tank tops, no short shorts, um, no bikinis, um, only one piercing in each ear. Gordon B. Hinckley was the prophet of like my youth, like mm -hmm. especially like my younger teenage years. And he was the one who came out with, I think he was the one that came out with for like the for the strength of youth. Pamphlets? I'm pretty sure it was under I believe so. I wasn't a member of the church at that time, but <laughs> yeah. but that does sound correct. Yeah, anyway, so um, a lot of the grooming guidelines and things like that, mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah, those were all like very taught a lot. Right. I feel like now I see a lot more like leniency and people aren't as strict um, with modesty standards, but when I was young and especially in high school in that age, like I made sure to always cover my shoulders. And I never wore short shorts and I tried, I followed those rules like really to the T. Yeah. To yeah. the T. Yeah. They meant like a lot to me, um, and representing like me actually doing what I believed in. Mm. And so for me, it was an outward expression of following what Heavenly Father yeah. wanted me to follow. Yeah. Um, I'm trying well, to think if there's any other modesty things like that. I think, I mean, that's I mean, the main you're, one. You're, you're talking to me. I was, I was raised with uh, <laughs> covering cover, everything. Cover your whole body. <laughs> yeah, me and my t-shirt yeah. and my long board yeah. shorts would yeah. have been considered immodest to sound. So but. I didn't, I didn't grow up with rules necessarily. Uh, I did on my mission teach some modesty rules, but it was mainly the the, the piercings and not having extra piercings and and things like that. So. Oh yeah, piercings, yeah, then one piercing in each ear, but like no piercings on your nose or face or belly button yeah. or anything like that. So those are the only piercings. Um, but yeah, I think that's most of it. And yeah, I definitely followed all of those. I don't think I even, I think my first pair of like short shorts um, was me being more, a little bit more rebellious, yeah. like all the way in college when I was like 20 years old. So I definitely you, you followed all the rules. a rule in college. I bended how, a how rule in college. Yeah, Nobody, exactly. No college age person bans rules, right? No, no, just me, just me and my short shorts. Yep. All right. Great. Uh, moving on here. This is a similar question, but it, um, 
goes right along with that one. What are expectations for women? Oh, it's okay. a big question. Yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> That's a big question. I think another question too that I had like read through as I was briefly like seeing them as we were going along was um, also having to do with like roles and expectations. And I'd say that the roles for women and expectations, just gender roles, um, a lot of that was taught from the family, a proclamation to the world, mm -hmm. which again mm -hmm. came out um, when Gordon Mahigley was prophet. And that was very like well taught, like taught in Sunday school, taught in young right. women's. And it specifically talked about like the role of a woman to be a mother and to be in the home and be the primary uh, caretaker um, and rearing children. And that husbands were to be the primary providers yeah. for the home and to be like the priesthood holders. And, you know, at that point too, it was marriage between um, like specifically marriage between a man and a woman. Yep. These are their roles in a family and that they are like to work together as a team. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, so, the, the family proclamation to the world is something that, uh, though I joined the church later on, it was something that I was given upon uh, completion of my mission. And I remember we got it when we were married. Yeah, so. we got a couple of them actually as yeah. gifts for wedding gifts. Yeah, so, it's so very much taught, and I believe still to this day is, is taught a lot throughout the church. So. Yeah. So I'd say most of the gender roles and what was taught for me as a woman was based, based on that. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely. It was emphasized too that your primary purpose is to become a mother yeah. and to stay at home to rear them. Okay. So I feel like that's probably it's shifted a little bit more, mm -hmm. and I feel like now the church is a lot more understanding recently right. of you know people working and having careers and um, yeah. just overall more supportive of lots of like having the family look a whole bunch of different ways. But back then. It's crazy, actually, now that I'm thinking about yeah. it. I'm like, the, just in 10 years, but definitely when too. I was a teenager, it was a lot more uh, traditional Christian family values. Yeah. I guess that's the best way. Yeah, the church has definitely shifted and changed a little bit over time. So. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, have you seen the Book of Mormon musical? I have not. I have not seen it. I have heard some songs from it. Um, someone once was like, oh, have you heard this song and mm -hmm. like played it or something? But I have not seen the musical. Yeah, me neither. I've heard about it, and uh, I imagine that a lot of people want would love to hear our opinion on it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, I have not seen it. Uh, I, I know that a lot of, I don't know about a lot, but I know of active members of the LDS Church that have seen it, and um, you know, so I, I know. Yeah. I, we just haven't done it yet. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's a good it. question. On Broadway, yeah. Yeah, I'm not even sure where they. Do you know where they? Is it, performed? it was on Broadway oh, it was in on, New York, okay. but yeah. So nope, I haven't seen it. Maybe we'll, we'll have to see it one of these days, and then we'll we'll share our opinion we'll on give that. Our opinion on it. Great. Um, let's see here. Did you have any fallen away family or friends, and ever talk to them about why they left? So I would say in my youth, I I didn't really know a lot of people who had left the church. I definitely had some friends, like in high school, that were more like rebellious or some that had quote unquote like made mistakes or things that kept them from going on missions um, mm -hmm. but none of them like ever it wasn't ever because of um, not believing in the church or having questions like that it was always just like choices they had made didn't line up with church standards if that makes sense so there wasn't anyone also as a teenager I'd say that anytime like I normally would go to people who had strong testimonies mm -hmm. when I had questions 
And so, because I didn't want my testimony to be heard right. in any way. Yeah. And so I would go to like my friends that were returned missionaries and things like that when I had questions um, to make sure that I didn't really hear why people would have left. Mm. Um, obviously, the older that I got, uh, I did end up like obviously reaching out to some people. And when Sam and I were going through our journey mm -hmm. and there were some friends in particular that were a huge strength to me when I was in the church, like in Young Women's. And that were good friends and good examples to me of what a testimony should look like. And then when we were going through our faith journey, mm -hmm. then I reached out because I knew that this person had left. And um, I hadn't talked to them in years. And they were still just as sweet and kind and loving and just helping me get some of my emotions and feelings out. Wow. Um, and validating some of the questions that I had, you know, and I was like, have you ever thought of this or questioned that? And mm -hmm. is this some of the reasons that you left or do you have different reasons? And, and some of those things, which was really super helpful for me to not yeah. feel so alone because sometimes you feel so alone and you're, you know, luckily Sam and I have each other, which is awesome. But it was nice for me to reach out to someone that I knew had also been super strong in the church, right. like what we were and to kind of bounce ideas and thoughts off of yeah, her was super helpful. So thank you. You know, yes. who you are. Thank yes. you. <laughs> And it's been great, you know, for some, whenever, for any of you out there that are questioning your, your faith or beliefs or any of that, you know, it's, it's very nice to have people to rely on. And I remember when we first started having questions, we knew of people, friends or uh, family even to some extent that uh, had these doubts or had fallen away from the church. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, we were it just, you, when you start having questions, you're so curious. You're like, wait. So why, what questions did this person have? You know, are they the same as my questions? Are they completely different? What, what are people's reasons for, for not wanting to, to continue on with what they currently believe? So anyway, for any of you out there that uh, might want to t talk to us or send us an email or something, we're yeah. definitely willing to talk with you and, and kind of share our experience. So. Yeah, feel free to reach out because like I said, it can feel lonely when you're in the middle of a faith transition mm -hmm. or even if you just have questions in general, yeah. you know, and it's so hard yeah. to find answers that you feel like aren't going to be super like negative and mm -hmm. super, yeah, just negative and harsh and like hurtful, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Email us. Yes. Our email's in the description. <laughs> yep. Love to talk to any of you about it. So, all right. Um, sorry, did we get all that? Did yeah, you have anything else so. to say yeah, on that one? Okay. Great. Okay. So this one is, um, we sort of touched on this, but we can expand a little bit. I think this will go back to the family proclamation to the world. But it, the question is, great question, what were you taught about men and women's rules and relationships? Rules and relationships? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it came back down to the family proclamation to the world. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who haven't read it, then you can just go online yep. and you'll be able to find information on it there. And like I said, I definitely just very um, traditional Christian values. Mm -hmm. but yeah, and, it's available. I believe you can just probably Google it <laughs> yeah, and pull and, it up and read it. Yeah. And that and be able to read it. Or maybe we have to do a video on that. Actually, that would there be a go. good that, video, right? Good video. Where we can read it through it and kind of explain jot, how it was taught Jot to that us. down. You have yeah. ideas <laughs> Put there. it on the list. Perfect. Many things on the list here. Okay, great. Well, we'll move right on to the next one then. Um, was questioning the LDS faith something you could do openly at home or church? Okay, that's a really good question. So... Yeah. Growing up, I feel like my parents, so my parents are both converts to the church, 
And I feel like because of that and like my dad being raised Catholic and my mom being raised Lutheran, um, they were always like really open to other religions and mm. always open to talking to us about things. And they also had this aspect to my childhood where they always gave us like logical reasons for why we were supposed to be doing what we were doing. Um, and so like we didn't just, we don't drink alcohol because the prophet said so. It was like, alcohol is not healthy for you. And if you drink too much of it at too young, like you're going to, there's possibilities for you to do things that you'll regret and mm. you need to wait to like all there was always not just because the prophet said so. And so for me, I felt like that opened up a world of like, we definitely felt way comfortable asking questions at home. And I know that my dad has even told me since like as being an adult, he's like, yeah, sometimes when you kids would ask questions, it was like a test of my faith because I was like, I don't even, I don't know the answer. That's a really good question, (laughs) you know? And so it was definitely open in the home. In church, that's another story because Mm -hmm. I feel like being raised in the church, there's this fine line between you don't want to look like a doubter, but you still, when you have questions, you want to be able to ask them and get some kind of answer. And depending on the teacher, like there were definitely um, some seminary teachers that were way more open to the tough questions. And I felt like they had logical answers that like sufficed and were good enough for me um, at that time and at that age. But overall, I'd say at church, it was a little bit scary to try to ask too tough of a question because if you came off as you doubting, then you would be struggling and then you would get this extra attention by your teachers and by your peers and everyone would be asking if you were okay and you were having doubts and I feel like you would just get unwanted attention over questions that were too deep I guess so at church you have to play a fine line at home I felt like I was able to ask questions pretty openly and you had a great family that uh you know kind of was from the very beginning wanted to give you reasons and that that kind of makes sense because you are a kind of you're you're the type of person that you want reasons for something you you don't want to just do something or follow blindly as they say you want to know the reason for it like okay you know tell me the reason if it makes sense for me then I will do it but and that makes sense because there's, there's other families that probably wouldn't be so open to discussing things like you did at home. Yeah, that might just, I definitely know yeah. that there are some families that were definitely more because the prophet said so mm-hmm. type of families. And yeah, I'm grateful that mine wasn't like that just because, yeah, my mindset works right. where I need to have a reason and it has to make logical sense as well. Not that it had to completely lack faith, but to me, if Heavenly Father was telling me to do something, there would need to be a reason because he wouldn't just come up with things out of the blue for no reason, right? Like, at least that's how I felt growing up. And so to me, it was just about finding out as much as I could about what God's reasons were. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I think it'd be similar to for the leaders of the church, you know, depending on, I know there's probably some leaders out there that wouldn't take a a question very well. They'd probably think that you were doubting or that you had these questions for some who knows what reason. But uh, I think it depends on which leader you went to because you and I, when we started having questions and, and concerns, we went to uh, several leaders and I feel like the leaders we went to handled it really well. Yeah, Just very encouraging and, and tried to answer the questions the best they could. But some leaders might not do that. Yeah, yeah. We looked out when we when we were going yeah. through our, our faith transition and talking to leaders and I feel like they were very helpful and very understanding and mm-hmm. you know unfortunately they weren't able to really 
have the answers to our questions, mm -hmm. but we felt still like loved and accepted by them while that yeah. was happening. So well, we're very lucky. And we, we didn't go into it trying to cast blame on anyone either, you know. Yeah. So we, we were sincerely trying to figure out, <laughs> you know, and, and understand. But anyway, so I, I think it depends a lot on the family and that. But luckily, Melissa was had a family that was very understanding. Yeah. So. All right. Well, this is a perfect question leading up or, or follow-up question for what we just <laughs> talked about. Were your parents raised LDS? You sort of already answered that. Yeah. Uh, as well, or how did your family join the church? Yeah. So both my parents are converts, and my mom has a really cool conversion story. Mm -hmm. So her mom had been taking the missionary discussions, and every time that the missionaries would come over, um, they'd be like, oh, come on over, you know, come talk with us. And she was like, no, I've got my own religion, <laughs> leave me alone. And just would kind of always brush aside the missionaries. And one day she was on her balcony and she just said, God, if you were there, I need to know. And I need to know now. And knock, knock, knock on the door were the missionaries. And she opened up the door and she saw that it was them and she's like, I need to be baptized. And they were like, we okay. should probably teach you some lessons first. Like what? Like so, so surprised. And yeah. And then it wasn't too much longer after that. I can't remember the exact timeline, but yeah. she ended up packing up all her stuff, moving across the country to go to BYU. And that's where she met my dad. But yeah, so super cool conversion story on her side. And for my dad, his dad had remarried and and married a lady who was inactive but once there were kids in her home she decided that she wanted you know to start taking them to church and my grandpa said hey to make her feel more like your mom you need to be baptized in her church and start going to church with her now my grandpa would never go to church ever there was never going to be that wasn't a possibility but he made sure that the kids went um with their stepmom and then when my dad's stepmom and dad um split up they actually stayed with their stepmom. And so he continues to be raised LDS. I think he was baptized around 12, early teens. Um, and he ended up serving a mission in Japan. So, yeah. And then met my mom at BYU housing. So. <laughs> Very interesting, yeah. Yeah. Interesting conversion stories. They're so, both like uh, different stories. Yeah. It's not like Sam's got like pioneer heritage like through and through. And his like family yeah. tree is yeah. crazy and my, my family great, is just my parents. My great-grandfather moved from Europe to Utah and uh, joined the church. So, And then from there, but but because my father is is much, like he's he's 80, in his 80s now, so my great-grandfather, that was a long, long time ago. Very long time ago. <laughs> but yeah, for me, my parents, both converts. Yeah. And that's what our LDS history is all from, just my so parents. Both converts. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, when, if ever, were you taught about the history of polygamy in the Church. Ooh, Big question. Yeah. So I'd say the majority of my church history would probably have been taught in seminary. So mm -hmm. for those of you who don't know or aren't familiar, um, seminary is a high school course basically that you get to take. And in Utah, the high schools actually release you for a period um, mm -hmm. out of your school day. And there's normally church buildings either right on the parking lots of the high schools or like right across the street. And you're released to go and spend a period at seminary and to go and have religion classes. And during your four years of high school, you go through the four different scriptures. So every year is a different one. It's Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, the Bible. And then I think it is Pearl of Great Price or Joseph Smith. Oh. Joseph Smith History or Pearl. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. Goodness, I might be off. But <laughs> like you studied a different scripture every year. And so um, there was always one year that emphasized mm. either in Doctrine and Covenants or the other year that I can't think of. But they emphasized and talked a lot about church history. And so that would definitely be when I was introduced to polygamy mm. um, was in high school. Okay. And they did mention a little bit in Sunday school, but I feel like it wasn't taught as deeply as what it was in seminary. And seminary also, I feel like a lot of those instructors are way more open to the harder questions or mm. to digging a little bit deeper. And so at that time, I felt like they were addressing hard questions mm. where now there's definitely things that I was not taught about polygamy or the way that it was practiced mm -hmm. at that time that, um, you know, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I went through all these seminary lessons. I went through my whole life and then there's still these these huge or things that feel really huge mm -hmm. details about joseph smith and polygamy that i did not know but i feel like they did pretty well in giving us a basic history and giving us good enough answers at the mm -hmm. time to be able to understand why polygamy had been restored through joseph smith yeah um i felt like i got good enough answers to feel comfortable yeah. with it. They had some answers at least. Yeah. yeah. Polygamy was always one of those things, honestly, that was a hard topic <laughs> for me personally, which yeah. is hilarious to me that I ended up marrying somebody <laughs> who was from a polygamous group because how much polygamy always bothered me. Yeah. Um, Keyword being from a polygamous group. From. No interest not a anymore. Part. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I'd say, yeah, I had a lot of exposure to it mm -hmm. and it was something that, yeah, always kind of troubled me. Interesting. But in high school, they gave answers yeah. that were good enough. And and in high school, there were probably things you didn't really think twice about that now you think more about because you're married and you have children of your own. And, oh, absolutely. And so, so your your view on life is probably a lot different now than it was oh, yeah. back then when you were originally learning about it. Well, yeah, because when you're a teenager and you're like 16, 17, and you feel like you know everything mm -hmm. and you're an adult and you find out that you know, there are marriages of 16, 17 year old girls. You're like, well, I could be married because yeah. I'm like a grown up. And then you get married and you have kids and you're like, 16 is way too young to be married or, you know, <laughs> so there's definitely things that, yeah, the older you get and the more life experience you have, like a little tougher to swallow. Exactly. That didn't yeah. me, but. Great. Okay. Well, on to the next one then. Do you still keep in touch with your parents now that you have left? Now that you have left the LDS. Yes, we have a great relationship with my parents. Um, we do. Yeah, we have a great relationship. They live really close to us. They babysit a lot so that we can even make YouTube videos or yeah. do whatever we're doing, go on date nights. Um, so yeah, we have a great relationship and, you know, my dad had already left the LDS church mm -hmm. before we did, and so like actually before we even got married. And so for him, obviously it was no big deal at yeah. all. And then for my mom, it was hard emotionally, but I feel like her and I have a really um, good relationship and open communication. And so she was really good about, even though it was hard for her, just listening to my reasons. And I feel like it, it comes down to just good communication yeah. with those family members that you want to be able to have those still strong relationships with. My brothers are both still active in the church. And um, I think that's actually a question someone else asked too, but they are both still active and you know, they had come on a trip and came down and had a good long talk with me. And it's not about whether or not, you know, we believe the same. It's being willing to understand why those, why they feel how they feel and why they choose to believe 
and why I feel the way I feel and then being willing to take the time to understand my emotions mm -hmm. and understand why I chose to leave. And I feel like once we have that talk, like all of our relationships have been great and um, I'm just grateful that my family is the type of family that was willing to have those tough conversations so that we could continue yeah. being understanding. Her family can be a little bit uncomfortable in the beginning because they, 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 they have to talk it out. They're, they're, not, they're not a family that they'll just let something slide under their rug or whatever. They don't hold back. They don't hold back. They have to talk it out, which is, you know, it's, it's, it can be a little bit uncomfortable at first. But in the end, I feel like it's really good because they force each other to open up and then share their feelings. And, and now I feel like you have a great relationship uh, with all of your family, regardless of, of different beliefs in that. Yeah, so, absolutely. It was like... Sam getting married from a family where he was raised in a family where you don't talk about any emotions or feelings at all. And there's no way that like he could ever um, disagree with his parents. You know, mm -hmm. like whatever his father said was the law and his mother enforced it yep. and also had a set of laws. And then the church had a set of laws and none of them were, they were non-negotiable. Right. Yeah. And so to come into my family where I like, my mom says something, and I'm like, oh, I don't agree with that. Da, 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 da. I'm, like, I'm like, oh, we're talking about this? Right we're now? talking oh, about this? Okay. Or she made you feel uncomfortable, <laughs> and you're going to, like, talk to her about it. And so, yeah, yeah it's definitely a yeah. little bit of a learning curve. But it's been good, though. It's, been it's, good. it's, it's good to have kind of all the different experiences. And, <laughs> and, now, and now we can kind of choose the, the best we can and, and yeah. live life that way. So yeah. but open communication, I think, is key, especially when it comes to beliefs. So many people get into fights and, and disagreements over religion. And I really do think that if people would take the time to sit and try to openly communicate, and not only communicate, but understand each other, I just think it'd be so much easier for everyone because some people just can't understand why someone would possibly leave what they uh, believe behind. And other people can't believe why you would keep believing this if it's obviously so anyway. So yeah. it's definitely important to just communicate and try to understand each other. Yeah, and I'd, I'd say going along with this before I move on to another question, mm -hmm. you know, we've had other conversations with, um, peop with friends or family um, that are still LDS that were a lot tougher of conversations to have and didn't go as well. Mm -hmm. And I'd say, you know, along with what Sam was saying, if we're talking to each other, truly trying to understand instead of trying to convince, right. it's when we have conversations where we're trying to convince and it shouldn't be either way. Like I never want to convince somebody why the, why I don't believe in the church. Right. I don't want to give those reasons. I don't want to convince someone. And same way when we've had conversations that haven't gone as well, it's normally because when we're trying to explain how we feel or why we feel the way that we do. And instead of trying to understand, people are trying to preach or tell us, you know, oh, well, but this says this or this says that or, you know, those type of things. So going into conversations, being willing to say this conversation isn't about convincing you that it's right or it's wrong or any of that and like let go of the ego on both sides and say my goal is to just understand why you feel the way you feel mm -hmm. and I feel like that's the moment when you can actually still have those good conversations and have them be productive yeah. at all yep so I always say you can never win an argument over religion yeah and because they're not they shouldn't be to win <laughs> and because it comes down to people's personal experiences and personal beliefs and personal feelings 
And so one person could feel completely different about it than another person. And, and if you're just going to sit there and, and argue about it, there's no winning. <laughs> it just yeah. turns into turns into an argument and a fight. So Yeah. So thanks for coming to our TED Talk. Yes. And we will continue. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. We feel strongly about that, but we'll continue on. All righty. Were any foods or holidays not allowed for kids in the LDS religion. No, it is not like the FLDS in that sense. Yeah. Um, so all the holidays, I mean, even I know some Christian religions like won't let people celebrate Halloween. There were church Halloween events where kids would get dressed up. So every single holiday is celebrated in my family specifically. Anytime that there's an excuse to have a lot of food and family and friends yeah. around, we will celebrate it. So yeah. definitely at all the holidays. Um, food, the only things that were restricted were things that were in the Word of Wisdom, which is the church's like health code. Mm -hmm. And that includes, you know, no smoking or tobacco, no alcohol, and then no coffee or tea. Mm -hmm. And so those are the main things of the Word of Wisdom. So none of those were allowed ever. Um, but beyond that, that was really all when it came to yeah. health, I would say, or to uh, foods. Yeah, I remember when I first moved away from the FLDS with all the rules and strictness of no no eating these foods and no uh, celebrating, no, <laughs> no, no celebrating, no having fun. <laughs> um, and and, and uh, moving in with this family that took me in after I moved out and, and just the the excitement around holidays and things. And, and I remember uh, one thing uh, that was told to me was, with that, that this family told me was, you know, if, if we have an opportunity to celebrate Christ, we're going to take it, you know, and yeah, specifically, look at it. specifically talking about Christmas, right? And because when I was trying to understand why, where I came from, we weren't allowed to celebrate. And then, uh, and then in the LDS church, it's so similar. We are. All right. Awesome. On to the next question here. Great question from someone. They say, I am LDS right now. I would like to know what you didn't like or didn't make sense to you in the church. Okay, so that is a really good question, and yes. I would say that my reasons really didn't have anything to do with not liking certain aspects of the church as an organization. So I think, just to make that distinction real quick, because a lot of times, I would always hear when I was in the church that, you know, so-and-so left because they had their feelings hurt, or they didn't like the way one bishop did something, mm -hmm. or they didn't like um, one aspect of young women's, or things like that. And it didn't have to do with anything I didn't like within the organization. It all had to do with doctrine that I no longer believed. So just to make that distinction to start with. And then we'll do a video. We really need to do a video that's more about some of the details of some of the things that were hard for us because we kind of had different reasons. But I'll just give you kind of my main two that were the hardest for me. Um, one was the polygamy. Actually, and it was more of I've been taught a lot about it, and like I said before, in seminary, and I'd read a lot of church history, and I had it be troublesome to me before, like before Sam and I ever met, mm -hmm. and I just kind of like ended up putting it on a shelf and being like, This yeah. seems like sketchy, I don't know how I feel about it, I'm gonna put it over here, I don't want to think about it anymore, um, because I felt like there wasn't no one could give me answers. And then when Sam and I started having our journey and kind of took it back off the shelf and reevaluated it, there were just certain details to it that I'd either not been taught at all um, and things that were bothersome having to do with like the timeline of when Joseph Smith received revelation about polygamy, um, the way that it was practiced when it first happened, and some of the 
secrecy and some of the ways that things were handled yeah. in the early practices of the church. Um, that the more that I dug into it and the more, and when I say dug, I only looked at LDS sources and went to LDS.org for my answers. Mm-hmm. So I went and read like all the essays on polygamy, on Joseph Smith having wives and, you know, them saying in their essays that he married a 14 year old girl and in their own essays, you know, so when I say I dug deep, like I dug super deep into the church sources and trying to find answers that way. And that is where I found my answers. And that's where they were hard for me. And it was super hard on my heart. Um, The other main thing that was tougher for me is seeing the changes that were happening within the church that I felt like growing up, I was taught that the prophet's um, teachings would always build upon each other. Like we learned a lot about um, past prophets teachings and, you know, I, once we were married, I was starting to see changes within the church that I personally felt like we're trying to kind of more please the masses and we're, instead of building on past prophets, we're kind of tearing down past prophets and um, things that they had said or just seeing those changes. And I just really, it was hard for me to come to terms with if I had been in the church 50 years ago, and this is the way to return back to my heavenly father, I would have been taught such different doctrine and teachings compared to how I'm told now to be able to get back to my heavenly father. And just because those changes weren't okay for me, doesn't mean that they can't feel okay to other people. And I totally acknowledge that. Like there, there are certain things where it just is up to every person. There's going to be things that like bother and even between Sam and me there's things that bother me um in church history that don't bother Sam at all and it's just not as big of a deal to him and there's things that bother him that just aren't as big of a deal to me so Mm -hmm. everybody has a certain things that will weigh heavier on their hearts and like I said this is kind of the quick version of two that were heavier on my heart but there's definitely room for you know if people feel comfortable with the modern revelation that is making those changes and feel like that is directed from God and that's how it's supposed to be. I totally understand that as yeah. well. But for me, it didn't feel right. And so um, those were two of my main things, yeah. I guess. <laughs> no, it's kind of a heavier question. Yeah, um, I hope that. And it's definitely something that requires its own video where we can kind of get into this because, uh, you know, Melissa and I, when we started looking into our questions and that, it was just one of those things where we started becoming more open and communicating more about it and we started taking some of those things off of the shelf that we had just kind of put up there and and uh, some a lot of the things we are on the same you know that bother us together and uh, other things you know they're completely different so we'll have to make a video that's kind of discussing that in a little bit more detail yeah and I know that we've kind of I don't want to say skirted around but we've kind of gotten these questions a lot and Part of the reason why we've kind of put it off is because we just want to make sure that we can handle them in the most respectful way possible because we never want to be the reason that somebody else questions their faith or be the reason that um, or have somebody feel like we are bashing on their faith. And that's never our intention. And we always want to stay respectful. And so just trying to come up with the best way to answer that question while making sure that nobody feels attacked or uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and so hopefully my question or my answers here (laughs) don't make you feel uncomfortable but yeah we 
we do want to answer the question. People have had the question of why did we leave? What are what were our, what were the problems? What you know? And uh, like Melissa says, we will we will make a video. <laughs> we just have to do it in the right time and uh, when we feel that we have figured out how we want to discuss it. So anyway. After a, a, deep, a deep question, we're going to move on to something a little bit more lighthearted. Okay. Lighten things up a little bit. Uh, the question is, do you have any fun girl camp stories? Did you guys do that in St. George? Ah, uh, yes. We totally did girls camp. And for those of you who don't know, so girls camp is you go literally camping for a week with mm -hmm. all the young women in your ward, which are ages 12 to 18. And it's super fun. There's a lot of spiritual experiences. There's a lot of just fun, silly, goofy experiences. And I personally always loved girls camp. I thought that it was a blast. I loved camping anyway. And then having the opportunities to have these really touching spiritual experiences where you're out in nature. And like, at least when I went, not that people had a lot of cell phones back then anyway. <laughs> but like, no one had cell phones or anything like that. And it was just a really really cool experience and I remember like having experiences where you know you're getting to go up into the mountains by yourself yeah. there was time every day to go and read your scriptures and to think and to ponder and to pray to write in your journal and I feel like I had really good strong spiritual experiences yeah. being able to be in nature and having that time to be quiet and still and it was really good as a teenager to get away and I feel like yeah. search out those type of experiences yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. It's it's something. It's something else. It's not, I love to go out into nature and just sit in the peace and quiet sometimes and think. It's amazing how much clearer your mind can be in those moments. Absolutely. Um, so, anyway, great. Any specific story, fun story you want to tell? I would say. That's what, I know that's what you want to hear. You want to hear a specific <laughs> a specific fun story. Um. So I would say some fun stories were like we would have. We had one that was like a fear factor, and so we had to like eat weird things, like pickled oysters, mm, and something sounds yummy. No, it was so gross. <laughs> I lost by that much at the oh, end, and then no. by the time you're done eating all this gross stuff and doing all these silly challenges, yeah. and I like lost still. I was like, oh my gosh, I did all that for nothing. <laughs> oh, um, but man. that was like really fun and really good experience. And then I'd say it was fun to have um, any of the girls who had their first year. Uh, we call them our baby beehives. And so oh. everyone would be assigned your baby. And it was super fun because we'd like make, like fill up bottles full of candy for them. And you just kind of had like that person. And so I remember being a baby beehive and it being like oh. so special. And then same with like getting to have your baby beehives. So I just feel like there was a lot of getting to really bond with like the older girls and the younger girls and everyone coming together because normally you're separated into your age groups mm -hmm. in Sunday school and young women. So it was just a fun opportunity to get to hang out with all the yeah all the ladies. That's awesome. That's one of that's one of the things that uh, the church does I think really well, where they just try to create this community that that people can be a part of and, and and kind of be there as friends and neighbors and families and uh this is a perfect segue into our next question here okay all right you ready i'm ready you don't have any more stories you want okay all right so this uh someone asks a question let's see here i'm trying to figure out how to use this <laughs> they say my wife had mormons as neighbors she felt they were so welcoming is that a common thing that's pretty common. I'd say that a lot of people who know anyone who's LDS, that they, 
definitely say that they come across welcoming. Um, yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know. I'd say that's a pretty common thing. If you have met someone who's LDS, they t- typically tend to be like happy-go-lucky, and they tend to be welcoming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and we uh, even though we don't attend church meetings and things, we still have great neighbors around us that are members of the church, and uh, we will go to some of the church activities and things, and and still you know be a part of some of those. So, and I know we always feel wel- very welcomed, welcomed, yeah. and and treated very well and nice. So. Yeah. So yes, that is that is I would say fairly common. I don't I don't know I I, I couldn't speak for every <laughs> neighborhood though. So, but yeah. Uh, okay. Next question here: Was there any sort of purity culture instilled, like girls are like flower petals, etc.? <laughs> yes, yes, there was. <laughs> um, yeah, it was definitely taught that. Oh goodness, I don't even know where to start with this. That's a yeah. Yeah. So. I would say it's definitely taught purity culture. Um, we were definitely taught like our bodies are temples um, and like modesty, kind of like what we talked about before, like not showing our shoulders and making sure that our shorts weren't too high. Um, a lot of that was kind of taught through the lens of like it was our jobs to make sure that the boys kept their thoughts clean. Mm-hmm. And it was definitely taught too that like, yeah, so it's, it was kind of the girl's responsibility and to remain pure and how important that was, um, basically so that you're not used for your husband. Like you're huh. not used before your husband was definitely so, so that you're not a temptation to the boys. So you're not a temptation to the boys and keep yourself clean and pure because like if you want a husband who's a good priesthood holder, he's not going to want a girl who has been used or like. Oh my goodness! I know it's cringy. I like have a hard time even saying that out loud right now. But um, <laughs> that was definitely something that was taught. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well. Purity culture was a thing. Yeah. And it was definitely one of those things too. Like I remember, I think some of the what I look back now and cringe the most over is that. We always had this fear of these lines that were never, like, very well defined, mm-hmm. too. And so, like, if you made a mistake, then you have to go talk to the bishop. But no one ever wanted to have the uncomfortable conversation of telling you what a mistake actually was. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, some people would every once in a while, and it was kind of refreshing because no one knew what the line was. And so I feel like a lot of times, like, I remember going, hopefully this isn't too much information, I remember going, like, the first time I ever went to the bishop was because like a boy had put his hand on my stomach and I went to the bishop to confess because hmm. you felt, you felt that, that was because something. I felt like that was something because the line was so blurred and I or not blurred but like the line was so unclear that I was like okay well you know that's like that's my body mm-hmm. and so, so I, I assumed that it was underneath your shirt though it wasn't. Yeah, underneath oh, my shirt. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, like we're kind of, and like not even didn't go up, didn't nothing, nothing else. Like no inappropriate parts are touched, <laughs> but it was one of those things that it was like I felt like I had to confess because he had touched my skin. Hmm. And so that's just like a really small example of just not knowing where boundaries were supposed to be and where like all I knew is that I needed to confess. And that was emphasized that we needed to. And I remember watching a young woman's video once and it like 
messed with my head because this girl had met this amazing return missionary and then she went to go and have like her interview to be able to go to the temple and he asked if there was anything unresolved. I don't know if you've seen this video. Mm -hmm. And and she had to confess something and then they weren't able to go and get married in the temple right away oh, and wow. it postponed their wedding, okay? But they never said what the girl did and we never knew like like I remember leaving and just being like Oh my gosh, so if you don't confess everything to the bishop, if yeah. there's anything that you've done wrong, it can keep you from being able to be married to an amazing person and all these things. And I just remember my mind running wild, like, did she just kiss him too long? Like, as a young teenager, I'm like, did he kiss him too young? Kiss him too long? Uh, did, you know, like, he touch her shoulder? Did he touch her belly? Like, oh, all these type of things. And so... Yeah, sorry, this is a long one. No, right, no, it's uh, it's interesting. It's just a little. So these, are, these are some things that that I haven't heard of, you know. Yeah, so. but I feel like that that the mindset of just that you're supposed to confess, but mm -hmm. no one will tell you like what exactly where the line where is. the line is. And I felt like that was probably the hardest as a teenager. Mm -hmm. And and we are also. I always felt like it was very much my job to keep. Boys in control. No, it was. It was my job, so, right? And so that like, was probably taught in young women. Yeah. The, so the your, way your that duty. I dress, mm -hmm. and then I remember like, um, like kissing in high school, and being like, it was my job to make sure that we didn't kiss too long. It was my job to make sure that you know we didn't French kiss. It was my job to make sure that his hands were placed only directly on my back hmm. if we were to kiss. You know, all those type of things. I remember specifically thinking. Every right. single time I even kiss somebody to make sure that it was my job that everything was being appropriate. I wish I had some insight on here. I wish I had some insight here on what the young men were taught, <laughs> but I didn't grow up in the LDS church because where I was from, I mean, it was a don't even look at a girl. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna be that's purity culture. Yeah, there. exactly. Don't even don't even look at a girl because you're going to be assigned a wife when the time comes, and it's all gonna be up to the prophet. And don't even think about it. So. That was a different experience, of course, but yeah. I wish I had some insight here on what the young men were taught in the LDS church. Though. Yeah, and I'm not sure, but hmm. it was definitely a lot of uh, responsibility on the girls, that's for sure. Well, there you go. Great question. <laughs> I hope that was uh, answered. I, Hopefully I, that wasn't too much information. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no, I think it was great. I mean, people like details. I mean, so. I just had to confess something that I confessed to a confessed to a bishop, <laughs> so hopefully no one will judge me too harshly. How dare someone touch your stomach, right? <laughs> Why aren't LDS supposed to drink coffee? That is dun, a good dun, dun, question. <laughs> I, I assume a lot of people have this question. Yes. So I will give you the LDS answer mm -hmm. and kind of give a little bit of the history and backstory on it and then a little bit of how we feel now um, because I feel like this one deserves that. So the Doctrine and Covenants has the Word of Wisdom which was a revelation given to Joseph Smith, and it says that the that they are not supposed to drink hot drinks. Mm -hmm. Then after that, because everyone said, well, what is considered a hot drink? Um, prophets came out and said, hot drinks are coffee and tea. And that is really as far as the explanation went and has remained. No coffee, no tea. Mm -hmm. um, then, of course, people continued to have questions 
And the answer is always, this is one of the few things that the answer has always been because the prophet said so, because the word of wisdom says so. Mm-hmm. Nobody really has an answer. Some people have continued to try to make sense of it. So you'll hear a lot of times people be like, oh, all these people can't have caffeine. Well, that's actually not true. Like nobody's ever said that you can't have caffeine. Mm-hmm. It's just the only thing that comes in common with coffee and tea right. that isn't in hot chocolate or herbal tea. That's true because they're okay drinking th- those hot drinks. And I grew up, my mom didn't even let us have herbal tea mm-hmm. because oh, really? she was like, oh, it's tea. And she was a convert. So to, in her mind, she's like, they said no coffee or tea. So that means herbal tea. And mm. then there's a lot of families and the church is now kind of, I think the church might even have come out and said now that some herbal teas are okay, but there's definitely like a, it, it, it doesn't really honestly have a whole lot of sense to the line of like what teas are allowed and what teas aren't. Right. Besides, it does seem to be related to caffeine. But then if you say, well, you can't have caffeine, they'll say, no, that's not the case mm-hmm. at all. So yep. take yep. that as you will. And every family interprets the word of wisdom a little bit differently. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I, I know there are some families that don't drink anything with caffeine in it because that's their interpretation. Yeah, because you know? that's their interpretation of the word of wisdom is that if it's no coffee, no tea. Um, some people are like, so iced coffee. And again, as far as like the strict word of wisdom would go, um, or like a temple interview question, iced coffee would still be considered a coffee, yep. which you're still not allowed to have, even though it is not a hot drink. So it's very tricky. And yep. I don't, I'm not sad about not having to think about that anymore <laughs> because I no longer believe that coffee and tea. Now you just- you get to choose what you feel or what you learn is healthy and, and try to make a healthy choice. But yeah, it's because that, that's difficult. I know some people, like I say, some families don't drink any caffeine and other families uh, drink way too much Diet Coke. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. I remember girls camp counselors or like uh, our girls camp leaders uh-huh. that we weren't allowed to leave the mountain for anything like to go get food or anything like that. But like mm-hmm. they would go down off the mountain just to get more cases of Diet Coke yep. because they couldn't get enough for a whole week so like yeah it's super funny or like sometimes people are like i can't drink coffee but then they like down multiple energy drinks to like get through college and i'm like this well, that's is a healthy choice this doesn't make sense but yeah it's one of those it's just a rule that needs to be followed because the prophet said so yeah because it's in the scriptures and that is that and then you would get to interpret it based on your personal revelation or you yeah. know or prayers what you feel is right for your family i guess yeah but it is a temple. I have to say that with a grain of salt because it is a temple recommend question, question to be able to enter the temple. You have to get a temple recommend. And in those questions, it asks if you follow the word of wisdom. Right. But it doesn't doesn't get into specifics. Do you drink coffee? Do you drink alcohol? It says, do you follow the word of wisdom? So once That's again, point, yeah. it's kind of up to your interpretation. So if you feel that you're following it, then the answer is yes. Yeah. So I assume. Yeah. That, 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 because yes, it's just a very, that's the question. Thing, yep. Yeah. But that's why. Yeah. Great. Okay. (laughs) Great question. On to the next here. I did want to just mention really quick as well that um, I'm not going to every single question here because there are several questions that are basically the same thing, worded a little bit differently. So if I skip your question, I'm sorry. It's because I got to the person before yours (laughs) that is almost the same. So, um, But we're trying to answer and get all the information out out there that we can. Next question. What did you think after your first temple endowment? Oh, wow. Okay. So I got endowed 
Well, actually, we should start with what an endowment is. So an endowment is when you go to the temple for the first time, you are able to make covenants with God for yourself. And they call it taking out your endowment. And for girls, you tend to go either like when you're going to go on a mission. Or same with guys. Like mm-hmm. guys tend to go when they're going to go on a mission, um, guys or girls, or when you're about to get married. So I went through and took out my endowments the day before we got married. Yep. And... I, for anybody who's LDS watching, don't worry. I promise to be super respectful. (laughs) And I want you to like change the channel and be like, ah, I shouldn't be saying anything. Promise I would not do that. Um, But I will say that going through it the first time was a little bit overwhelming because you're not really told a whole lot about what is going to be happening or what is going on in the temple before you go. Mm. And so there were definitely things that I was expecting and there were also a lot of things that I was not expecting or wasn't sure what was gonna happen. And so um, a lot of those, it was just like a lot. It's a lot to take in. There's a lot of learning to do and things um, to remember. And I remember coming out and being like, I think I got some of that, but I, Uh, Yeah, it was just overwhelming. However, because I was getting married the very next day in the temple, like I had to go through and have my endowments taken out before I could get sealed in the temple to see them. And so because my wedding was the next day, it was like all this stuff coming in from what had just happened. And I had to kind of like push it aside because Mm -hmm. I was focused on getting married the very next day and finishing wedding preparations and all those things. And so when we got back from our honeymoon, actually, um... Sam was really great. I was like, um, I think I need to go back. And so I would always encourage people that are LDS that like the first time you go through, you definitely want to go through um, a couple times, like right in a row as soon as you can to really get a full understanding, to try to understand understand the Mm -hmm. covenants that you're making and to fully um, just feel more comfortable with the whole temple experience. And so, yeah, I would always encourage LDS people to, if the first time you go through, you want to go through, I'd say at least three times before you are fully understanding everything that's going on. Yeah. And even then you'll probably have more questions in that. I think you'll always have questions, which is part of, um, I'd say like a pro of the temple is that people will say like, you go and you feel like you learn something new every time. Mm -hmm. So it's not something that, um, you'll like ever fully grasp all of it, but it's, yeah, I'd say overwhelming the first time and having it the day before your wedding is they need a better format than that because yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Um, I agree. It was the same for me. The first time I went through, uh, it was a little bit, it was a lot of information to take in and, and it was that for me, there were, I did have some temple preparation classes that I went to, uh, that I was taught a little bit about, Hey, this is kind of what it's all about. Not any details, but this is kind of what's to be expected. This is what uh, the purpose of it is, you know. And so, did you not have any type of class or any type of information beforehand? Did we go to Temple Prep to get? No, I don't I, think. I don't I think, think so. we talked to your the fa- the family. family. Yeah, I think we talked to your family. So a little bit, like I knew not what my, the basic. Not my FLDS family. Yeah, my, my new family, the, the LDS family. LDS family. <laughs> um. I mean, I would say that I knew what the overall purpose of it was Mm -hmm. and what some of, like, the covenants were going to be or, like, what the main gist of it was, but definitely not to the full extent of what 
that's going to happen. Yeah. No, and it's hard It's hard to fully understand what's going to happen without actually going through anyway. But um, but anyway, definitely highly recommended to go several times if you're wanting to fully understand you know, before you before you get a good grasp of what the meaning is. Yes, and all of you who are not LDS right now are like, please tell us what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be for another video if we could, um, I think we could totally do a very respectful, mm-hmm. the things that were allowed. There are definitely, um, the temple, yeah. I'll just say real quick, there's way more that you're allowed to talk about than what you're not allowed to talk about. And overall, I think it gets handled with way more secrecy mm-hmm. um, than what is actually necessary. Right. And so... And we've even talked to, you know, state presidents and other um, people that are in higher positions within the church that say the exact same thing. So um, it's a place for you to go and learn. It is a place for you to make covenants where you're just making promises with God. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the way that those happen is the secret secret part um, that we would not share. But Well, just to be respectful. Just to be respectful. To those members. But, yeah, but it's... Overall, it's just making covenants and promises and and um, for both, learning things. For both the living and those that have passed on the dead. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, it's a lot of information that uh, well, that would be a whole other video for yeah. sure. I think we could do it respectfully, though, so I think we should yeah. put it. That, we'll put that one on the list, too. Another one I to could, add to the list. Another one to add to the list. <laughs> All right. Great. On to the next question here. We have, did you socialize with non-LDS? Yes. Okay. So again, going back to the fact that both of my parents are converts, um, none of my family was LDS, like my extended family at all. And I know there's a couple other questions that I can kind of link into this one. Mm-hmm. Um, like someone had asked if LDS members could, like, why can't they go into other churches? And that would be a family specific thing because mm-hmm. you can definitely go into other churches. Like when my aunt got married, we went to Catholic mass beforehand and then they got married. It was very, very long. Um, because mass so, is very long. So they got okay. So she got married in the in the, in the Catholic, Catholic church. church. So okay, when you get married it. in the Catholic church, they go through like you have a whole basically the same as a sacrament meeting for the LDS people. You go through mass first, mm. and then they get have their marriage ceremony. So I've been to Catholic like I've been to mass before. Been into other churches, cathedrals <laughs> in Europe. Gone to mass there. Um, so that's definitely a family thing, and I was definitely surrounded by other people who weren't LDS. My family, sometimes you'll hear of like kids that are like, oh, they weren't allowed to play with kids who weren't LDS. And that was never my family. I had lots of friends that weren't LDS. I had friends, I had friends that were LDS in high school. I have a lot of friends that weren't LDS and that I'm still friends with to this day. Um, it was never something that like that I couldn't hang out with people like yeah. that. And I also played tennis all over the country from the time I was 10 to 18. And I was one of the very few LDS kids that, like, played in the juniors oh, tour. So you like, had a lot of tennis friends. A lot yeah. of tennis friends. Most of them were not LDS. There was only a handful of us that were. And so, if anything, I would say that I always try to take pride in being, like, you know, mean, uh, mean girls when they're, like, I'm the cool mom. <laughs> I always take pride in being, like, I'm the cool Mormon. At that, uh-huh. at that time, we called ourselves Mormons, by the way. But... Yeah. Um, you know, I'm the I'm the cool Mormon. I'm the cool Mormon who's willing to have friends that are not Mormon, and I never felt like odd about it. Like even in college, you know, I my best friend was not LDS, and I didn't mind if we were somewhere and they were drinking, and I wasn't. It didn't make me feel uncomfortable at all. It was like that's their choice. I choose not to. Not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, 
It wasn't, if anything, I'd say I was that person who looked at like every opportunity I could to be a missionary (laughs) and to try to teach people more about the church. About the church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And because people would have all sorts of questions and I feel like I had, I was that person who felt like I had all the answers, honestly, and got really good at like the main questions that people had about the LDS church. Like I could give you the answers just like that. Yeah. And honestly, some of my questions later on were like, I would answer somebody's question and I knew exactly how to answer it to like have it make sense uh, on the outside. And then internally I'd go home and be like, okay, like I know they accepted that answer and that that's like good enough, but like, is it really good enough for me in my heart? Like, Mm I had all the right answers, but deep down, I knew that they're like, they might not have been good enough, mm-hmm. but they were good enough for people who weren't members of the church or yeah. they didn't know you very the, much about it. Yeah, the answers on the surface, but there was more to those topics exactly. that, could be, that could be discussed if the question were to arise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and and that's and this was her growing up in St. George. Obviously, now we live in Las Vegas, and living here, there's a lot of members of the LDS Church, and uh, but they have f- probably most of their friends are non-members because there's not nearly as many uh, LDS members living around them. Yeah. So and in school and all that. So I can imagine it's even more so here. All right, on to the next. Uh, what age do you have to wear garments? Okay, so a quick little thing on what garments even are. Mm-hmm. When you go through and you do receive your endowment, um, you receive garments, which are a special symbol of your covenants that you're making with Heavenly Father. And so the same way that a lot of religions have special items of clothing to be able to, res- uh, to, be able to represent specific things to them, you know, um, that's similar as to what garments are for the LDS. And... So it's not an age thing. It's when you take out your endowments. Mm-hmm. So it just depends on that age. Like we've had friends that, you know, if they get married at 18, then they have garments as soon as they go through the temple. Then we didn't get married until we were 23. So I was 23 before I started wearing them. Yep. But it has to go with temple attendance, not, not, uh, age. not age. But typically speaking, you would have to at least be 19, no, 18 now for the for the boys before they serve a mission. Typically speaking now, you'd have to be at least 18. Yeah, like we didn't, right. if you mean like compared to like where Sam's talked before about they had garments on children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, children don't wear garments because yeah, children aren't allowed in the right. main area. Where I world. grew up, uh, FLDS at eight years old, when you're baptized, that's when they they had garments in the FLDS as well. Different, but also garments. And uh, we started wearing those at eight years old. Oh, yeah. Oh, I knew that. I thought it was even younger than that. Was it not till eight? It may have changed over time, but that's what I remember. Okay, cool. So, yeah. Anyway, so a little bit different there, but um, but anyway, for the for the FLDS, it depended on when you attended the temple. Okay, do you have siblings? They. Um, okay, sorry. Let's start this question again. Do you have siblings? Are they still Mormon? If so, will your kids and theirs be treated any different? Oh, Ooh, good, question. good question. So, um, I'm the oldest of four. So, I have two little brothers little sister and both my brothers are still active LDS and my sister is not Mm -hmm. um she's no longer a member so that is our dynamic and all of our children will be treated exactly the same and yeah my parents are really good about treating all of us the same no matter 
what we believe and they're the same way with their grandkids. So they're awesome. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> they're definitely, yeah, there won't be any kind of different treatment. No. Uh, yeah. Her family is very, very close with, with our kids. So <laughs> yeah. With all of, with all the grandkids, with, with all of them. So I can't imagine there being any, our little two year old actually just today. So he has a little cousin and I won't say his name, but he was like, he always call, calls them cousin. I'll say cousin L. So he's like, cousin L, cousin L. And today my, um, my mom had said something about him and, and was like, I have three grandbabies. And my little boy's like, yes. And cousin L is ours. <laughs> and so they're really, really close and really, really cute together. And yeah, there'll never be issues because yeah. of religion. No, not at all. Okay. Next question here. Did you honestly believe in Joseph Smith? The levels of the levels in heaven. Very curious. Absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, all growing up, I would say I went to EFY, which I loved, and again, like even all the way through a teenager, like teenage years, all the way into college, like I really loved everything about the church. I loved being a member of the church, and I always wanted to show and prove my faithfulness to it and going to efy um it's or especially for youth it's like a summer camp where you go for a week and you take all religion classes and you do dances and all this stuff but it's all like based around like growing your testimony Mm -hmm. and i did that multiple years and loved it and i'd say that i received most of my super strong testimony in joseph smith at that time um, at EFY when I was like 14 or 15 and I felt very, very strongly, um, all the way until Sam and I were in our faith transition, Yeah. but definitely believed in him. Yeah. Melissa likes to go, uh, do things a hundred percent. So <laughs> she, if, if she believes in something and that's what she, you know, is, is basing her life around, she does it a hundred percent. And, uh, so that's, I would say it's probably why it was so difficult for her. One of the reasons that when she started realizing that, um, she didn't believe anymore was the fact that she was in it a hundred percent, you know? And so that's, yeah, that is really, really hard, (laughs) (laughs) but that's, that's another topic as well. Okay. When did you realize not everyone is, was LDS? How did you feel? Oh, so that, I mean, that was really, really early on. Again, since my parents were converts and none of my cousins were LDS and yeah, and in tennis and friends. So I realized pretty early on just from extended family that not everyone was LDS and it didn't make me, if anything, I always felt like we were the quote unquote lucky ones. Um, All of my extended family, you know, had more complicated Uh, family circumstances and so I think that where I was in like a much more like stable family situation Mm -hmm. um I always attributed to that growing up thinking that that was because of the church yeah and yeah so I think that in my mind growing up the church was just this awesome thing that I was so lucky to to have when other people didn't so I always felt super like blessed and lucky but you knew from a very early age that, that that I was a lucky one yeah and that there, there were lots of people who didn't have it yeah yeah, yeah. and that, I mean I imagine it's not the same for every member of the church especially those that live in parts of Utah, Utah yeah. but but um, 
I don't know. I, I feel like the church, especially now, talks a lot about other religions and things, even even in church meetings. So Well, and you're taught a lot to be like a member missionary mm-hmm. and to always be missionary. And so in order to be a member missionary, you have to be, you know, actively talking to people who aren't LDS. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. feel like it's pretty common to like reach out to people who aren't LDS. Yeah, definitely. Well. And that, I mean, and that, that was the same for me, you know, so growing up, even where I came from, I feel like I knew right away that it wasn't just us. Okay, looking back on being a young LDS girl, do you feel like you had to suppress or censor yourself to fit religious expectations? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I'd say all the way until I was like 18. Um, I never felt like I was censored because it was so important for me mm. to feel like I was doing the right thing. Right. And because the LDS religion has a very specific list of what is right (laughs) it was like you had so many rules that if you're a rule follower like I was it is like a very comforting place to be because I knew exactly what I could and couldn't do Mm -hmm. um for most things right minus the sexual line I guess but like beyond that like and even then I always cautioned on the being like confessing too much like extra right but um as far as everything else I feel like the rules for me I loved it because I just always knew what was expected and I could just meet those expectations and then I felt good about myself and I'd get a pat on the back for doing what I was supposed to and and being a good example for other people and being a good missionary and all those type of things that just make you feel really good when you're a kid wanting to get the approval of everybody Yeah. yeah yeah great question though yeah at what point in your life did you begin to put church questions on the shelf? Some are very, um, never mind. That's, just, that, that, that's the whole question. <laughs> that's the question. Um, I had my first questions when I was 18 years old mm-hmm. in my first year of college. And my best friend, still one of my best, one of my best friends to this day, um, her family, she was an LDS. And her family was not LDS. And it was the first time that I think I saw a family that had, like, parents that had been married for a super long time and that, like, had a close family relationship. And their family was just full of good people. Mm. And the first question I ever had was just a realization of if they weren't sealed in the temple as a family... Did that mean that on the other side they would be separated? And that because the LDS church teaches, you know, families are forever. And that if you're sealed, you can be married for eternity. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time that I had questioned, well, if I can be sealed to my family for eternity through a sealing, what does that mean for all the families who are not? Right. And I mean, the LDS answer is that they'll have a chance to be sealed in the next life yep. on the other side. And so they're kind of covered that way. But for me still, I was like, wait, so if they don't accept it on the other side, and we're still the same people on the other side, like, if they don't accept it, like, is God going to separate them? That was my first question, I'd say. And I think her family was just such a good example to me. And because all of my extended family, again, was like lots of broken families, single motherhood, things like that, I always growing up felt like, my solid family unit was because of the church. Mm -hmm. And without the church, there were all these other things. And then 
you know, obviously as I got older and especially going into college, I was realizing, no, there is lots of broken families within the church and there are solid families outside the church. And, um, but when I had that question, I went to one of my return missionary friends and had a good long talk about it. And he helped tell me the importance of the temples and why it was important and how my friend's family would have the chance on the other side and gave me the typical explanations that helped me feel that was good enough. Good. That was good enough at that time. But I'd say that was the first time that I had something like kind of lingering um, that was always in the back of my mind. Okay, and on to the next question. Someone says, "Hi, Melissa. Were you Hi. were you <laughs> were you aware of the media stereotypical and mocking view of LDS, and how did that make you feel?" Yes, I was definitely aware of it. Um, especially, I'd say, like in the tennis world and stuff, because. I was one of the very few, like I was definitely in a minority, but honestly, I was one of those people that like, one, there's things about every different group, whether it's religion, whether it's just like a community group, like you have to be able to laugh at some things, right? Mm-hmm. Like the fact that we have funeral potatoes that like a potato casserole that are only ever brought to funerals that are absolutely delicious. Okay. Like there's things that people have or green jello with carrots in them. If you've never heard of that. They're actually called funeral potatoes. Right. Yeah. They're actually called funeral potatoes. Anyways. So there's like some cultural things that are funny within the church that like you you just need to laugh at them because people aren't being malicious or mean when they're talking about them. Mm -hmm. Um, Even the things where people were trying to be harsher, I always tried to take those and turn them into missionary moments. And so I kind of, I don't know, I was always open for people joking around because if they wanted to joke or poke fun at me for my beliefs, I could always turn around and be able to try to teach them something. And so I know someone else had asked if I'd ever seen the South Park episode on the Mormons before. And kind of a funny story with that, because again, looking for opportunities for missionary moments. But I had a friend that we actually made a deal. And I said, you know, he's like, have you ever seen the South Park episode? And I was like, no, I didn't watch South Park. That is highly inappropriate. Um, But I was like, I was like, I'll make you a deal. I will watch the South Park episode with you if you go to Temple Square in Salt Lake City with me. Uh, And he was down to do it. Yeah. So, (laughs) so we went to Temple Square and... Like, I thought that it was awesome. I was giving this awesome missionary opportunity. Looking back now, like, I distinctly remember him seeing Adam and Eve and being like, I believe in evolution. This isn't even a thing. And I was just, like, brushed it off. Like, what do you mean, Adam and Eve? Like, what? I didn't even know that people, like, didn't believe in Adam and right. Eve. So that was kind of funny. But um, then we watched the South Park episode. And looking back now, it's even funnier because when I was watching it, so many times I would pause and I'm like, that's not true. That's not how it really happened. That's not true. That's not how it really happened. And then now, since learning more about church history, I'm like, oh my gosh, like it actually, some of those things are true. Are true. And I totally told this guy that they were not true and that like they were just trying to make fun of us. And, um, you know, I didn't know at that time that there was a stone that Joseph Smith used to translate the Book of Mormon and that he would put it into a hat, which mm-hmm. now the church has come out and like, they have the steer stone. So it's a real thing that really did happen. In case any of you are wondering, um, you can see it on the church's website, yep. but I didn't know that at that time. So I was like telling him that that wasn't true and that they were mocking him. And little so, did you know, little did I know. Right. But I thought I knew everything South, guys. South Park had it all figured out. Apparently <laughs> South Park 
papers written by a couple um, I believe there are XLDS guys. Yes, that they had left the, the people that have left the church, yeah. So Yeah. So, um, I mean, obviously they're making fun of the church in that episode, but definitely. But a lot of the facts that they're that they're in a way talking about are true. Well, and at the end of it too, because for those of you who haven't seen it, or if you're LDS and you would never want to see it, which is totally fine, I yeah. completely understand. Again, I was doing it for missionary purposes. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, <laughs> that whole ending is all about the fact that like. You know, the beliefs might be different and odd or strange to people, but at the end, you know, Mormons have good hearts and they're good people trying to do their best and be with their families and Mm -hmm. focusing on like these positive things, which I thought was really sweet at the end. And so I did talk to him about that too, you know, and and he kind of even said, he's like, yeah, I kind of like the ending. He goes, because like, I may not believe the same as you and I may think that some of your beliefs are really weird. (laughs) He's like, but at the end of the day, like, you're a nice, kind person. You'll still be my friend. And we're able to still, like, have a good friendship. And yeah. so, yeah, it was, like, a good experience. But I guess it was that's definitely kind of the kind of overall funny. message oh, yeah, uh, for of sure. the episode, yeah. I think. So, anyway, awesome. Okay, on to the next here. Were you able to and encouraged to think about and pursue your education and desired career? Good question. Okay, so, yes. I definitely was always taught that education was important Mm -hmm. and it was something that along with that question I would say in the back of my mind I always knew that I would end up wanting to be a stay-at-home mom that was always really important to me but my mom was a stay-at-home mom but not because of the church it was because she chose to so she had an education and it was a decision that her and my dad made because, again, she was a convert after she was an adult. So she hadn't been taught her whole life that her job was to be a stay-at-home mom at all. And she was raised by a single mom who worked. So that wasn't, like, inherently ingrained in her um, the same way that it was kind of taught to me. But she was my main example. And so, like, she always encouraged me to get an education. And even though I think there's a piece of me that wanted to be a stay-at-home mom because I was taught that from the church and the importance of it, um, I think it mostly actually came from her and her love and desire of wanting to be one was a more of an example. Um, but she always told me still, like, you know, I never wanted to wait around for a man just so that I could have kids. That was not it. She was like, go get your education. She always, like, encouraged me for my own career and... Um, I felt like I was definitely encouraged. And I feel like within the church, too, education was always super important. Right. It was definitely more... Being a mom would be considered more important than an education, I'd say, when I was in high school. But it was definitely, like, a lot of girls went to college to go and try to find their eternal companions. (laughs) Maybe a little bit too much. I was not one of those. I lived in Happy Valley by BYU and UVU for three years and did not get engaged. So I feel... Like, I passed that lucky, test. Lucky me. Thank goodness she didn't yeah. get engaged up there. <laughs> yeah, so it was one of those things that I think because of my home life and because of my parents were always super encouraging for mm-hmm. my career and for education, that is why I did. Um, church-wise, I don't know if the church had as big of an influence yeah. on me as far as that goes. I know the church does talk a lot about the importance of education, though. They do. So... I, I personally remember that when I first joined the church, I was kind of surprised about how much they encouraged and talked about the importance of getting a good education. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see here. What were the rules on dating? How old? 
and were their chaperones and such. <laughs> so, dating, um, the rule of thumb is no dating until you're 16. And a lot, there were not chaperones, um, but a lot of kids, it was very common that when you turned 16, you were only allowed to group date, you know, go on double dates or with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And that was really, really common around me in the church um, for kids to only be allowed to group date until they were 18. My family, again, with my parents being converts, my dad always thought the concept of group dating was really weird. He's like, that's like hanging out. And I'm like, I think that's their point. Like, I think that's what they're trying to get. Yeah, they're like, if they're hanging out in big group settings, less likely for them to get in trouble or kiss too long or, you know, anything like that. Um, But my dad was like, how are you supposed to get to know someone if they're hanging out with, like, their bros or it's in a group setting, they're going to act completely differently than you're never going to be able to see how they want to treat you mm-hmm. as a lady. And so um, I never had that rule growing up. I was allowed to single date at 16, but it's very common. But I still had to wait till I was 16 oh. to date. And that's, I would say, pretty common throughout the church, would oh, you yeah. say? Definitely. Okay. That's I think that's in the first strength of you. Maybe oh, it's so not in the handbook. I don't know if it's exactly But I believe handbook. you're right. I believe it does say somewhere that 16 is the age. Actually it, written. Yeah, it's very, like, if you ask anybody who's LDS what the age of dating is, 99% of them are going to say mm-hmm. 16. So, I don't know if it's written down, but it is definitely the law. Well, there you go. I know that <laughs> I know that dating in general in the LDS church is very encouraged. Yeah. Uh, to get out there and meet some people and have a good time, so... Yeah. All right, next kind of interesting question here. Dress code in LDS versus FLDS. Yeah, so I mean, we talked about that a little bit with the uh, modesty, Uh but uh, shoulders had to be covered, nothing too low or revealing, no short shorts. Um, Normally, you'd have shorts down to the knees, you know, like the rebellious, the rebel girls would sometimes wear them like halfway up their thigh, you know, so that was a little, (laughs) you know, adding a little bit of temptation to those young men. Um, and one set of piercing in each year. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's also kind of gone away a little bit. I still only have one because I was just never super into piercings. So yeah. I know some people have been like, do you even have your ears pierced? Cause I don't wear a lot of earrings, but, um, that was just because I played tennis and they bothered me when I played tennis. So I never was in the habit of wearing earrings a lot, but mm-hmm. just one pair of earrings is considered the modesty, modesty rules for yeah. the LDS. And I wouldn't say that, you know, out and about in grocery shopping or whatever you're doing, uh, that a, would you say that an LDS member would, would stand out in a crowd based on the way that they're dressed? I think so. You do? Okay. But I think it's because, and Sam and I have this d- difference a lot. I think being raised LDS, um, LDS girls can spot other LDS girls based a lot on the way based dressed. on the way they're dressed a lot easier than what a guy's going to even notice or care. Because That's to very them, true. it's just yeah. like, unless a girl's dressed like super, super revealing, um, I feel like guys, it's just like, okay, there's girls. And sometimes they wear t-shirts and sometimes they wear tank tops and sometimes they wear short shorts and sometimes they wear pants and sometimes the you know i feel like for guys it's just not as big of a deal um as a girl because you knew how strict the dress codes were Mm -hmm. and it was pretty obvious and then if girls sadly like i still feel bad about this i don't know if i would say i treated people differently of it but it was definitely very common to judge people based on the way that they were dressed so if someone was lds and you saw them in a tank top at school Mm -hmm. it was like why aren't they following the rules? Like they should know better. And so 
it definitely, I think being raised in it, you tended to be more judgmental towards it. And so it would stand out more. And so I still can, I still like, we'll be out to dinner or something and I'll be like, oh, I'm pretty sure they're LDS. Yeah. And he's like, how do you know that? And I'm like, oh, I can tell because, you know, she's wearing an extra shirt under her sweater to, you know, make sure that her like modesty is all taken care of and that her garments are covered, you know, or things like that. Like things I feel like you just notice as a girl more. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just, I just don't. Notice, I mean, or, yeah, I, or I like, like the holes like, in her jeans how, aren't above you, the knee. They uh-huh. only wear holes in the jeans, like on the knee or below, or they'll wear leggings underneath <laughs> their holy jeans, so that they're not showing, yeah. like revealing flesh, like things like that. But. Once again, I think it's kind of a family thing too. Like each family might be a little bit less strict or Absolutely. more strict about these kind of dress codes and all that. But um, but yeah, it's interesting though. It'll be I'll be out there with Melissa. We'll be on a date or something, and she'll say, "Oh, they were definitely members of the church," and I'm like really how did you and and she'll have this oh because of this that and the other and i'm like oh okay i i'm pretty sure they're wearing clothes that's that's what i got out of it but uh anyway it's interesting how you notice so much yeah i can definitely tell and then the 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 continuation of this same question was versus flds the flds was completely completely different not even close i mean the flds or the LDS members will kind of blend in with the crowd a little bit more. The the FLDS are just completely covered. I mean, from the wrist to the ankle to the neck, everything. Uh, long prayer dresses for the women. And then just uh, button-up shirts with collars and jeans or slacks for the men. Yeah, but, my, my whole, like, modest is hottest t-shirts and long shorts are mm-hmm. like super revealing too compared to where Sam was from so yes and being also, modest was still it ooh. was still oh yeah no super any, sexy. Any, any any skin on the arm or anything like that was just a huge no-no in the FLDS <laughs> in the FLDS no makeup of any kind no we definitely wore makeup <laughs> no uh, piercings anywhere of any number no piercings period um and then I I remember one time my mother put on some uh, just like some lotion. It was some lotion that kind of gave her face a little bit of a glow. And I remember that upset father a lot because he thought it looked too much like makeup. Aww. So I mean, it was very much. Every girl needs a little glow now and then. <laughs> Poor mother. It was, it was very much just a natural as far as the the face and the skin and all that, and then just completely covered up with with a dress or. Pants and pants and uh, shirts for guys. So, no glow. No glow. <laughs> it was just because then he was like, "I don't, I don't want to have to go through my normal rotation. I want to go a second night." Uh, That's what it was. I won't no get temptation. I won't, for I won't get into to my opinions on any of that. All right. Um, really, this is the same from the same person here. Another uh, question: Are politics discussed in church settings? I have to think about this one a little bit. I mean, yes. Not a lot, though. Not not a lot. Okay. It's like... How do I even... Yes and no. So, do they ever, like, bluntly come out and say, vote for this person? So, they always come out over the pulpit and say, please make sure that you vote in your local, like, uh, elections and mm-hmm. things like that. I would say the only time growing up where they were, like vote on this was when um, Proposition 8 was coming out. Oh, I remember that. Yes. Yeah. And the church put a lot of money 
I had a lot of time in, in trying to um, make sure that, that marriage it. stayed between a man and woman and that mm-hmm. um, anybody was not allowed to marry anyone of the same sex. Yep. So that was like, I'd say probably the biggest time that they were super involved with politics that I saw like in my childhood. Um, as far as like just at normal church, we're in Utah. And so I feel like everyone was pretty conservative. And then a lot of like conservative type values just in general got talked about. So it wasn't like, oh, you need to be... Um, Republican or conservative, but it was enough of a deal that I remember specifically like who the Democrats in our ward were. And it was like a little scandalous that they could be not conservative and be members of the church. Hmm. So I remember, I remember that, which again, so you obviously knew enough about everybody's politics for there to be like differences and for it to stand out. Okay, great. So we have a couple more questions here. So Second to last question. I also grew up LDS, someone says. I'd love to know her thoughts, Melissa's thoughts, on the young woman's program and if she thought it played a role in her development into an adult. I love young women. So I thought that it was awesome. Um, I mean, obviously, there are certain things that were taught in it now that I, you know, some of the things that we talked about, like the purity culture and, yeah, things like that. But... As far as the community that you have in young women's and the activities and the um, girls camps and all those type of things, I loved it. I think it definitely played a role, a huge role in my life. I mean, in young women's, you're, um, you go to young women's every Sunday as part of your church meetings. You go to firesides on Sunday nights frequently. And then you go to Young Women's, you know, for an hour or two every single week as well, like on a weeknight on Tuesday nights. So um, definitely played a big role. I had some awesome leaders that I still like love to this day that when I see, like I just run up and give huge hugs too. So um, I feel like Young Women's overall was like a really good experience for me. And some of the, um, like the Young Women Recognition Awards, things like that were important for me. And I felt like really, I don't know, just taught me a lot. There's a lot of stuff. And I know it's, it may sound funny that I'm talking so positively about all these, but I really did have a great experience within the church. And I know I said it earlier, but I'll say it again, just to reiterate that my decision in leaving the church had nothing to do with um, these programs or me feeling like I didn't have good experiences within them. And even now where some of the things, you know, that I don't want my daughter to be taught that may have been taught within them, I still feel like they help me become the person that I am and I am happy with that. And so I don't have any like regrets about it or, oh my gosh, I wish I hadn't, you know, um, had young women's and yes, maybe I confessed to the bishop over silly things that didn't need to be done. But overall, I feel like um, they helped me be able to be a good person and to um, have good morals and standards, even if they were to an extreme that I don't find necessary now for my own daughter, Mm -hmm. but they were good experiences for me. Yeah. So, and uh, we feel pretty equipped now to be able to teach our children and give them the, you know, knowledge they need to, to live a good life and, and to make their own decisions and choices. Yeah, absolutely. But there's, I mean, there's things that, 
I learned from Young Women's that I would want to carry on along with the things that I wouldn't, you know. And mm. there's definitely things and different ways to go about what they taught as well. Like, I think that it's super important to teach to be respectful of your bodies. Mm-hmm. Now, is showing your shoulders disrespectful? You know, that's going to depend on the person. And now I'm confident in saying no. Mm-hmm. Like, I am not going to tell my daughter that it's her job to... Um, control the thoughts of the boys around her by not showing shoulders or not showing, you know, a a couple inches above her knee are those type of things. Mm. But I feel like now being able to teach how... I wouldn't be able to teach the way that I feel equipped to now if it wasn't for my upbringing, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Okay, great. So you got a lot of good out of it then. Yeah. Good to hear. Okay, last question. This question has several different parts to it, so do you want me to break it down in pieces, or do you want the whole question? Oh, you you wanna... know go ahead and do the whole question. Okay. Bring it on. All right, let's see if you can remember all these pieces. It's going to be the final pieces. one. <laughs> all right, so, um, so let's see here to the question. I wondered how Melissa's father felt about Sam. In general, is there a lot of support among the LDS church for helping FLDS people who wish to leave? Were Melissa's parents worried about worried Sam might want to go back after you were married? Good questions. We actually, it's kind of funny because I heard a lot more that my mom got asked this question more than mm-hmm. I ever did about whether or not um, she was worried that Sam would want to go back to his old religion or that he <laughs> would want multiple wives. And she met Sam very early on. Both my parents did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like we'd only been on like two dates when they met him and so they knew him well from the beginning of our relationship and as a matter of fact our my dad was the one who like actually kind of made us officially boyfriend girlfriend because we were with my parents out on a family outing and he went to introduce sam and i mean like we were holding hands but we hadn't called it official we'd only been dating like two or three weeks (laughs) and my dad goes oh this is my daughter melissa and this is Sam, Sam, this is her boyfriend. (laughs) And he just was like, like, let's not dance around this. Like, this is her boyfriend. And we both were just like, okay, okay, yeah, pretty much. So from from then on, we would tell (laughs) people that we were, yeah. So So my dad made us official, um, which is kind of funny, but. So I feel that he approved of me. Yeah, he definitely approved. And I don't know if he still does. No. (laughs) He says that. He goes out like doing bro stuff with my dad all the time. And we get along very well. Yeah. So it's, um. Yeah, they, I, they felt really good about it. And yeah, I think that overall, LDS people are like really open to helping the FLDS yeah. leave. Um, again, it's so similar in the history and in the basics that, that I mean, the LDS feel like the FLDS are just like, they're just that far off. And then it kept going. But like, mm-hmm. as far as like core doctrine goes, um, yeah, they're similar. so similar that it's like, oh, you're so close anyway. So just... Come on in. The water is great. <laughs> exactly. And, and a testament to that is is my new family. Yeah. The, when I moved out, I went straight from there in, into my new family's home, and they accepted me and brought me in as their own. And uh, you We're know, still and, part of their family. Yeah. Well, they, they are my family. And yeah. so they, they just introduced me to the church. And so obviously, very, very willing to help the FLDS and try to you know, help me get on my feet and teach me the teachings of the LDS church. And there were kids in my home ward that were lived right down the street that they had taken in a boy who'd been kicked out of the FLDS as well. So it was common around me to see kids 
you know, especially if they were kicked out young, like they were taken mm-hmm. in by LDS families and became part of that family. And that was something very common. So meeting Sam, it wasn't, I wasn't uncommon with his church's history at all. And I lived, had always lived nearby the FLDS community my entire life because we were only 45 minutes outside of Hilldale, Colorado City, St. George's. And so, like, him being from out there was not really ever a concern. It wasn't a concern for me. I did get asked in a temple interview question, like, before we got married, um, a state president did ask me if I had any concerns. And I was like, no, like, I hadn't even thought of that. So, you know, other people, like, had asked my mom and had asked me, um, but it was, all I had to do was meet Sam to know that it yeah. wasn't a worry or concern at all. Yeah. And so. at this point, when we were, you know, looking and getting married and dating and all of that, I had served a mission, you know, so I was, I was, I had changed a lot since originally moving away from the FLDS at, uh, church and my, I was fully immersed into the LDS church at that point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so at that point we were both on the same page good to go as far as like religious beliefs and everything went and so it was it was never really an issue that he was from out there at all i never felt like i was judged by her family or looked at any differently than anyone else because of my background they seemed that my personal feelings is that they accepted me right away and that there weren't any concerns but yeah no there really weren't like i said i think part of that is just you became part of the family like so quickly too yeah Like, he wasn't scared, which again, just having a guy who wasn't scared to, like, meet my family so early on was, like, super attractive. You were super attractive, baby. I was like, oh my gosh, like, he wasn't running away scared. He was like, oh yeah, I'll meet your mom, oh, your dad, yeah, okay, let's go do these family things. And so... I'm a family guy. I love families. Yeah, so it was was good, easy transition, and my parents love him. They still love him, so... Well, that is the end of our questions. So once again, <laughs> I know it's a lot, and but thank you all so much for the many, many questions. Thank and, you. Uh, we really do appreciate these, and we will continue to re- receive more questions and try to get to all of your questions as quickly as we can. But, um, but this has been a lot of fun. So it's yeah. been, yeah. Thanks for letting me uh, be able to answer some questions, and I'm sure everyone has some more. So please leave them in the comments. Any um I don't know, any other future videos you want that have to do with me or being raised in the LDS Church, we're yeah. more than happy to do. So, yeah, like and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram um, at Growing Up in Polygamy. And, yeah, we'll talk to you all soon. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>